You know what I did yesterday? What did you do yesterday? First time in like... If you say golf, I might punch you through the screen. Do your best. I played 18 holes. Wait, yesterday was the... Were we supposed to play in that tournament together? Was that yesterday? I mean, it was yesterday. Were we supposed to play? The charity thing that you told me about multiple times and asked me to play in it, and then we never followed through, so... Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that was yesterday. I couldn't have played yesterday. It was. A, I, mean, I might have been able to had I planned it, but yeah. doggone, I haven't played it, was, it all this year. I I miss golf so much. It was it was fun, um, but it was also. I mean, I was. I did not realize like how tired I would be after it, and I've talked to two guys I played with from church. So I saw them and I asked like how to go after after the. After you got home, and they were like, "Yeah, we just <laughs> ate dinner and went to bed." Dude, I'm <laughs> telling like, yeah, you, was, man, I was I was about the same. When when I was at Chibolic, I told you we had a standing tea time every Saturday morning. Like we do PT, and then it was like go to, go back to the room, change into your golf stuff, and like be at the course. And we would go and we'd play 18 holes. And one one weekend we walked. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Yeah, one Saturday we chose to walk. And honestly, like, I prefer walking when I play golf. It just it feels better to me. But not in South Carolina. That was <laughs> holy cow. Yeah. By, like, the 16th, 17th hole, I was like, okay, just one more. I just got to get through this. And But, it, man, I, I miss that. Like, I miss the, the standing tee times because there's just not – there's no time for it. I mean, yeah. when you think about it, I and golf was a like when I was single, it was a massive. I played probably two or three times a week, and if I wasn't playing two or three times a week, I was at least there's a like a practice facility, like yeah. right around right around the area, and I'd at least spend like a couple nights there because I just go and I'd put in my headphones and listen to like a sermon or a podcast or like music. And their chipping green was free, so I didn't even have to, like, buy, like, I would just go up there and just get 10 balls and just chip, 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 and just, put, I'd, I'd spend two, three hours after work up there every summer. And I just, I was single. I had nothing else to do, right? It was like, I didn't have a family to come home and take care of, so it was, like, my way of, like, just purely decompressing, um, and, yeah, I miss it. I'll get to play again. Jack's actually starting to get into it, so... That's he, uh, that kid, man, I tell you what, he has spent the last three days just building Legos. Is Simeon <laughs> yeah. into Legos or anything yet? Uh, Duplos, but yeah. I he, So Jack's got all these, like, different things, like, through, like, birthday gifts, right? Yeah. And, like, they're, they're awesome. Like, one of them is, like, he can build a shark. Or he can build an angler fish, like the light bulb fish that is like yep. mm-hmm. way deep in. Yeah. So he built that earlier this week, and then he's like, "Dad, I want to let's build the rocket ship." So him and I do guys' nights. I've told you, right? Yeah. Like we'll stay up. I'll sneak him out of bed, and we'll do. So last night, I was like, "Let's do a guys' night. We'll we'll watch the Tigers game, and while we're building, you know, the rocket ship, like it's perfect, right?" Yeah. 
We spent two hours and only built half of it. Yeah. And then we came home from church today, and I told you I was I had all three kids because Jess was serving in the high school class, and so I've got like Teddy and playing with Nora, and he we got home from lunch, and he literally sat at the kitchen table until six o'clock and just kept building, finished wow. the rocket ship, finished it, it was part of this thing that's like the Mars like exploratory group, right? So it's like <laughs> a rocket ship, and there's like a Mars rover. And so he built the rover and all that, like, on his own. Like, and when he gets locked in, he gets locked in. And it's it's really cool to see. So I was like, man, I'm going to build some Legos with you. Like, we'll build the Harry Potter Hogwarts castle. Yeah. <laughs> man, I, it is cool. I remember when I was young, I had a, a bunch of Lego sets. And, like, I was, I, I mean, it took a while to put them together. And I had a castle, pirate ships. I had like two yeah. pirate ships. And ended up what happened. My parents, my my parents divorced. Um, and so when we ended up moving, like s- somehow, a lot of the Legos disappeared. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but you know, <laughs> sure, whatever. Yeah, you and, get it though, right? Like, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. there, there. But there are days where I go into the toy room and it's just like, okay, yeah. What can I? What can I pull? Oh, out we've of been here? doing it. Like we've kind of actually made this rule now, where it's like, okay, you get a new toy for your birthday. What's one toy we haven't played with that we can get rid of? Yeah. Right. So we're like exchanging one for one because like, yeah. it it's incredible how much stuff. Yes. How much stuff we just have. Yeah. Like and now, think like we're kind of getting rid of all the baby stuff. Yeah, like we we think we're done with three kids, <laughs> yeah, and so right. we're just kind of getting rid of all the baby stuff. But it's still like, how do five people accumulate so much junk? Yeah, just consistently. <laughs> Funny story. This will not get cut out, but it probably should. But. Jess, a couple weeks ago, was working hard and doing a garage sale, trying to, like, sell, like, whatever baby stuff we had left, and then she'd take it to a consignment shop. Toys, kids' costumes, like, all this different stuff. The day of this garage sale, her aunt, bless her heart, like, her aunt is the sweetest, most, like, like, very generous to our kids, and, like, we're very thankful we're selling all this stuff. She comes up with like garbage bags full of more costumes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> it was so funny. It was so funny. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I- I'm excited. I-, I think that like there's some activities that like I'm kind of falling into, um, not agreement. But, like, Jack and I are kind of finding our, like, groove, right? Like, he likes golf, which is mm-hmm. good because I can get him into golf and then play with him. Um, but then, like, the Legos, like, I'm finding I enjoy Legos. And, like, I found, like, a, a Comerica Park, like, oh, Tiger yeah. Stadium Lego yeah. build that we can do. But I'm trying to get him to understand the concept of, like, you build these things and then you display them. You don't, like, build them and then, like, rip them apart again. But right, that'll come. I- that'll come. Have, have you seen the Lego movie? Mm, 
no. no? We've not seen okay. the Lego movie. Uh, I was I was hesitated because we did just go and see the Mario movie a few weeks ago. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, which was so, really, like, if you played Mario as a kid, you will like the movie. Okay. I have, it, not, I have not seen that one. And it was, it was pretty, like, clean. It was clean. Uh, we took the family. Like, we even took Teddy. Yeah. And, like, we were just playing with them there. But, like, yeah, it was so funny. Like, Jack <laughs> Jack Black plays Bowser. And so there's scenes where he's, like, sitting at the, the piano and he's, like, peach, 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 peach. Or yeah. doing his, like, Jack Black, like, singing thing. It, right. It was really, really funny. Okay. I'll have to check that. Well, the Lego movie. I really enjoyed it, and if you played with Legos, and if you know... Wait a second, wait a second. We're, are we allowed to watch movies as Christians? We are, <laughs> you know? I, I know, I, I said, I, I had some stern words about that last week, but yeah, uh, that's the, the discernment part that comes in. Yeah, I know. And uh, the Lego movie is, is clean and funny, yeah. and it's also, I mean, it's, it, it, it's one of those movies that you can enjoy a child's going to enjoy it because it revolves around toys and such, mm-hmm. but an adult's going to enjoy it because there's, if you have any sort of framework with any pop culture stuff, there are so many references that are thrown into okay. it. And yeah, those like, are fun. Uh, it's always fun and, to find the Easter eggs. And, and of course, Batman. Like, yeah. <laughs> Lego Batman. Yeah. Ba- the, there is a Lego Batman movie, but... Yep. In the Lego, Will movie, Arnett does is, the voice for it, right? Yeah, yeah. He's, he's, oh, he's my favorite character in the whole thing. But anyways, it, that that would be if Jack really enjoys Legos and you do too, that would be a good movie because there's also a, okay. a, a, a father son dynamic in there. That's okay, really awesome. Good, so. Yeah, awesome. This is very non indicative of what we are talking about tonight on the podcast. But it does no. kind of lead in, right? Because there's an idea of hope and joy and finding that that yeah. joy. So are you ready? Sure. Alright. Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to the Two Chaps Pod. I'm AJ, he's Coleman, and we are ready for our next episode. And while we do have smiles on our faces, tonight's is going to be a very heavy episode. And we're going to talk about suffering. And we're going to talk about suffering servants and suffering well. Because there's a lot of things that maybe we misunderstand. There's a lot of things that maybe we don't quite realize of how... I hate to use the word beneficial, but beneficial suffering can be. But it's not always easy to understand that in the moment. And so... Yeah, and I like the... There's the Hebrew... Um, this, the, this, the English Standard Version. The can we stop Shaman. for a second? Just stop for a second. I'm going to cut this out. But okay. this bag is driving me nuts that I forgot to take out of my chair. <laughs> okay. So... Give me two seconds, because I'm sure. like, I can't believe I forgot that bet. <laughs> Fourth wall. Break. Like, I legitimately could not stop looking at it, <laughs> and it was like, it was a major distraction, and I will cut this out of the videos. All right. Okay. 
and I unplugged my headphones. Man, it's a circus today. I had to go. I went. I went to the army surplus store to pick up some stuff for September. Yeah. Like I got my combat gloves and another like water source so that I could have two camelbacks and always have enough water. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so we're three, two, one. Our view of God is, you know, it determines how we suffer, not necessarily the way in which we suffer, but our response to suffering. Yeah. Well, and the second part of that first verse i shall not want Mm -hmm. uh in the hebrew it's this it's really more of an understanding of i will not lack anything correct in other words god will provide all that i need and so when you see this god our god the true god as this one who is our shepherd and who gives all that we need then yes when we go through suffering that gives us hope at the end of it. Now, and I'll I'll throw this out now, but we'll probably talk about it more later. When we suffer, it doesn't necessarily, we're not necessarily going to find a meaning in the midst of it in that moment. Correct. And and really to get hung up on that is Mm -hmm. just add more pain uh, to, to that suffering because those questions of why and, you know, why did this happen? The book of Job. Well, yeah, exactly. Which is, I'll, yeah, yeah. if we want to do an entire like series on suffering, <laughs> that's the book to go through. Yeah. But but Job's response there, though, is, is actually, those are other good words. Now, this isn't necessarily the thing you kind of lead off with, but they are true, and that is the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Correct. Job recognizes his dependence on God and all that God has given to him. And so it's all gift. And so if God takes it away, well, that's God's prerogative. Well, and correct. But but there's also that whole element, too, of he gets the bad counsel from his friends, right? So it's right. like, be careful who you're listening to amid suffering. But then also recognizing your place in the created right. order because i think it's around chapter 38 of job where god just yep. finally is like okay <laughs> let me answer your questions yeah. were you there when i laid the foundations of the earth were right. you there when i raised up the leviathan yeah. no you weren't know your yeah. place right yeah that's clearly a paraphrase but you yeah. understand the 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 like understanding like that god is way above anything we could ever yep. believe or or attain to we are creation he is creator and and one pastor made a note about that idea of of him being the shepherd is often used with a royal connotation which could also mean like he is king the yep. lord is my king and therefore i serve him right and and that's the key right there is that he is my king he is my shepherd he is yeah. my creator he has chosen me yes to be his own mm-hmm. and that's where yeah those those questions you know when when god peels back the curtain and kind of blasts job for you know what's going on it, he has every god has every right to do that but that's not the full story the full story is 
what actually Job says earlier in that book, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at mm-hmm. last I shall see him and behold him with my own eyes in, in my flesh. That Redeemer is the reason we can call God my Father, my King, my Savior. That is Jesus Christ. So, who, as you mentioned earlier, says, I am the good shepherd. So, he is the one who's actually fulfilling what David said in Psalm 23. But there's, to, to continue on with the psalm, in verse 2, he, the good shepherd, the Lord, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. And again, this is, God is providing all that we need. Green pastures is meaning, you know, great grazing land where we can go as 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 sheep, and that is part of the also the recognition of that creator creation creator creature distinction. We have to own up to being sheep, which is yeah. really a very good thing in this context. And Maybe so, not in societal terms anymore, correct. but at the same time, like that is who we are. That is what yeah. Jesus calls us. Yeah, and. And if we're not sheep, then the shepherd is not taking care of us. Correct. And that's, that's a very troublesome spot to be in. So when we're let out into these pastures, these green pastures, you know, mm-hmm. these great grazing land, to be sustained, to be nourished, mm-hmm. and then led beside still waters, or another way that it can be translated, waters of rest, mm-hmm. um, which ties into even... That, that word for rest there is actually the same word that for the name Noah. So you go back to Genesis 6 and what God does with bringing the flood and giving the earth rest from the wickedness that is there. You see these, these different tie-ins yeah. as well. But that this is what God is doing for us as our shepherd, as he's taking care of us, providing for all that we need, and he's granting us rest in him. And so when we, we begin to see that and when we encounter suffering, mm-hmm. that is where we need to return. Okay, who is it that provides for me? Who is it that will grant me rest? The Lord, Jesus Christ. And I think that that is to build on that, right? In the midst of suffering, yes, you need community. There's no doubt about that. But there is a desperate need to return to your shepherd, yes. to return to your king. And Jesus modeled this, right? How, many, how often throughout his own ministry do we read through the Gospels? He withdrew himself yeah. to pray, right? Like yep. so, silence and solitude and prayer were a very key component of Jesus' earthly ministry. And when we are facing situations of trial or or suffering— it's very important that we also seek solitude and rest mm-hmm. within our king. Yes. Absolutely. The promises that he gives Correct. to you through his word. Because that's that's the part this it's another I actually brought this up in a sermon recently too. Uh when we think about what God does over against the devil, the world, and even our own sinful nature. The weapon that he uses is his word. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that's that's what, and, and ultimately it's his word that will go against suffering that is produced by the evil that's in the, in the world. 
So that's one part. For the Christian, the employment of that weapon is prayer. Because when you pray God's word, just like we're really, in a sense, praying this psalm as we're reading through it, that is what sets over against the devil, the world, sinful nature, the evil that's there that's, in, that's going to cause suffering in our life. It's the word of God that always triumphs over that. And to believe and rest in that word, rest in those promises that your shepherd, Jesus Christ, has given to you. And, and the outcome of that rest, right, is verse 3. Yeah, exactly. He that, restores my soul, which uh, I believe is Matt Chandler. He, he, has a, uh, he has a great Bible study going through Psalm 23. I don't know if you've ever seen it or not. Um, or have if you have access to Right Now Media, um, it's on Right Now Media. We went through it with our men when we first started the men's Bible study. But he calls this verse right here, like, this is the linchpin of the entire psalm. Mm-hmm. That that God restoring our soul is yeah. the entire focus, kind of, of this this Psalm 23, right? It's this, this restoration that takes place, the... Um, the the word that that means restore shab is this bringing back to liveliness yeah. right this this vitality um that when we're suffering we don't feel right that that suffering can can feel i think it was i think it was spurgeon that i mean who endured suffering it, chronic illness and things like that in his life and and called it like a fighting against the mist mm-hmm. right it just feels like it it just encompasses us yeah and 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 it's and it's gray and it's dark and it's yes. heavy mm-hmm. but our god and our king and our shepherd restores our soul right that yeah the description of it encompassing cuz that's i i think you do feel when you're suffering but your feelings become so narrow yes and all you know is pain mm-hmm. and and really despair in a lot yes. of a lot of cases of how can I go on? How mm-hmm. can this go on? And it is the word that breaks in and says, This is not the end. In fact, promises you are restored. And for Christians, that's a reality here and now. You have been redeemed by the blood of Christ. You have been restored to your heavenly Father. You have the promise of eternal life. And while we see the world raging around us, the promise is we will see it all undone when Christ returns. And that will be the ultimate restoration of our souls. But I'll save more comments on that for actually the end of the psalm. (laughs) Because... But where this does lead in, in this, this verse is you also recognize that as God has restored you, as he's forgiven your sins, as he's promised to be your father, as he's promised you everlasting life, all these wonderful benefits that he has given to you, then he leads you in paths of righteousness, paths of things being the way they're supposed to be for his name's sake. And that's, again, that's not a, we think of when we're, we're suffering that we have to come out of, like, we have to make our way out of it. That's true, but you're not going to do it on your own. 
It's going to be your Heavenly Father who leads you, the Holy Spirit who is in you, who guides you out of that. And in doing that, because of that restoration and that promise, He will continue to lead you in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Now, again, that's not going to be, you know, suffering is not something as, as you're quoting Spurgeon, this miss. When you when you enter into not even a mist, he he called it fighting against a mist. Like think about that imagery, right? The yeah. like continually it, swinging it, and nothing happening. Yeah, right. And and that's it. And that and for a while, that's what suffering is going to feel like. There's yeah. not just this; it, it instantly evaporates and clears up. No, it no. it lingers with you. But that's where the God needs to lead you in those paths of righteousness. That's where again His Word comes in, His promises comes in. That's where the community can come around and help you in those times. So, but it's it's always this God being our shepherd, guiding us, taking us there, and that ultimately, and this is really a we've said it a little before. Ultimately, suffering is redeemed in God's name, and that's for His name's sake. That's really what that is talking about all of our lives the joys and the sufferings are redeemed in god's name and they are for his name's sake the joys and the sufferings and the joy in the suffering which i think is a good place to kind of divert away from psalm for a second because as we continue to talk about suffering i think it's very important or apropos to say Okay, how are we instructed to respond to suffering, mm-hmm. right? James tells us to count it all joy when you fall into diver- into various temptations, Very right? Yeah. Um, Paul tells us to rejoice in our suffering. Peter yeah. tells us in 1 Peter to rejoice in our suffering, though now for a little while, right? right? You you come under these, these temptations. Finding joy, it's so... It's so counterintuitive. Yes. Because we sit here and go, joy in suffering. Yeah. What? But it, it gets down to what joy actually is, right? And and it's one of those things that I always have to remind people. I don't care about your happiness. Right. <laughs> you shouldn't right. care about your happiness <laughs> because happiness is an emotion. Happiness mm-hmm. Happiness is an emotion. Emotions are essentially foundations of your heart, and your heart is deceptively wicked above all else, meaning that if you are chasing happiness, you will never find contentment. Correct. Our job and our goal as as humanity, really, is to pursue and find joy, and joy can only be found in who Christ is. Mm-hmm. And in who God has promised to be. Yeah. And that when Christ finds you and gives that to you, I mean, he tells his disciples that my joy may be in you and mm-hmm. your joy may be full or fulfilled. And so there is this and joy. Let's let, let's kind of hash out that yeah. word. It's not a, a fleeting emotion. It's actually a kind of state of mind, a status of this is always working for 
for God's glory, for my benefit. I can't see that here and now, but I know that it will because God has made me that promise. And you talked about Jeremiah a few episodes ago and you know what he went through and endured, and, and, and well, all the prophets for that matter, but Jeremiah, known as the weeping prophet, writes the book of Lamentations and goes through all these different things, sees his city, Jerusalem, sacked, and you know, witnesses the still the rebellion against God and thrown in jail, thrown in the bottom of a well, you know, all, all these things that he goes through, and yet his joy is never taken from him because he has God's word. And so and that's really the the tension that we live in is saying, yes, what I'm going through right now is absolutely terrible. And trust me, there there are situations, if you've never encountered them, that are absolutely heart-wrenching and just tear you out from the inside. And you think that there's no way that this can get better. There's no way that I can get over this. And, and you know, on your own, that's probably true. But when you come back to, wait a second, God has called me his child. God has purchased and won me by the sin or by the blood of Christ. And that he promises me eternal joy with him. That's something I can find in the midst of that suffering. That he is still with me, going through this with me, and that he is still leading and guiding me. Right. And so that joy, it really is not, not emotion, but more of a state of mind. And that right. the joy in suffering is saying, God is still with me amidst this. But I don't want to also minimize emotions are deceptive. Mm-hmm. We, we know that, that that is the base layer foundation, but it's still something that can be felt. Right, yes. we we don't want to minimize mm-hmm. suffering and those feelings. Again, the the words are difficult, right? Because we're talking about <laughs> emotions and feelings, but at the same time, like when when things suck, it's okay to feel like they suck, and it's okay to say that they suck. That's... And it, yeah, I mean, it, it's okay to say that they suck, and it's okay to feel that. Where we're coming from, what we are saying is, okay, feel those, don't stay in those. Right. Because when we stay in those, then our our vision, it's almost like that, uh, you know, it, it just, it, it gets dark and dark and dark until you're Correct. seeing through a pinhole, right? right. And, and all you can concentrate on is the feelings that you are feeling when there is something that is being produced in you, God promises, that is better and greater than what is being experienced in the present. Correct. And sometimes it's so hard to see beyond current circumstances. I, I totally understand that. I totally get that. I'm not trying to minimize that at all. But I, and, and I always go to First Peter on this one. I, I just taught it in the men's Bible study, which is probably going to make you laugh a little bit. But he, he talks to us and he says, listen, these, these trials that you face, they may be for a little while, yet he doesn't define what a little while is. Right. It could be a day. It could be your entire life. But there's a purpose behind them that your faith is being refined right. 
which is more precious than gold. And there's life that is happening. I heard one pastor say it's like almost like a mother who's in the travails of childbirth. Right? Yeah. There's pain and there's 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 hurt and there's all of these things that are being experienced, but yet at the same time there's joy that's occurring because life is being produced. Yeah. And that's what our suffering can do. Yeah. Well, Jesus gives that exact example, talking about his upcoming death. Um, this is in John, John 14. I think it's 14. 14 or 15. Yeah. And he gives that example to the disciples because they will experience pain. They're going to see their teacher, mm-hmm. their friend, whom they've been with for three years, whom they've seen do incredible things. Mm-hmm. They're going to see him give his life on the cross. Murder. And yeah, and they are going to have immense pain and suffering from that. Yet, just as with the woman, a mother who's giving birth, once the child is born, that pain's still there, and that's that you know the her body is still recovering from that. Mm-hmm. Yet, the joy that she now has because the child has been born to her. That's the joy that Jesus promises. It it reminds me so often of just continuing to remember this is not the end. And I think too often we think this is the end. Mm-hmm. Right? But yeah. there is more to this. So let's get back um to Psalm, right? Psalm yeah. twenty three. We talk, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, this idea, and I think that's important. I think it's something that I've said to um, anybody that I've really taught for any extended period of time. But one thing I don't think Christians have developed well enough, and one thing I think that we need to develop better, specifically American Christians, is a theology of suffering. How how are we going to respond to suffering when suffering does occur? Um looking at verses like Romans 5, 1 through 5, looking at 1 Peter 1, 3 through 10, and and developing a kind of, we, we're going to go through the valley of the shadow of death. Yep. There's going to be experiences that feel, one, I, correct me if I'm wrong here, but there's that idea of going through the valley, which is like the, the, the suffering aspect, but then there's also like the, the whole end of life death thing, as well, right? Right. Th- those are going to be experienced. So how do we respond to that knowing that God has restored our soul and knowing that he leads us in these paths of righteousness for one specific purpose, which is his glory. So as we experience these things through the valley of the shadow of death, how can we fulfill our chief end, not to go Presbyterian on you, but to fulfill our chief end and glorify God and enjoy him forever. Well, I think it's what you're, you're, you've already said is it's our initial response is going to be the promises he's made to us. Then in those moments, or if we're coming alongside someone who is in those moments, it's not trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. I, I really think that that's the temptation is to go, <laughs> why is this happening? 
Why specifically for groups? guys too? Because we're problem solvers by nature. Yes, right. Exactly. And that—that's one thing that, like, you know, they tell us with our wives: don't always try to solve a problem. Just listen once in a while. Right. But this can be a trap that we fall into: is okay. How do I fix this? What do I need to do right now to get out of this? Correct. And that's really when you're suffering. That's not the most helpful thing. In fact, it can be even more. Uh, condemning on someone mm-hmm. because they say, well, I've tried that or they go and they try it and it doesn't work or something, you know, something like that, where it's just like, this is not actually appropriate for the situation that I'm going through. And there are well-intended Christians that have shared very hurtful words. They don't yes. realize it yes. in those moments. So part of this is when it's on the back of a bumper sticker. <laughs> Exactly. So, or a coffee cup. Part of this is, yeah, uh, to remember not to speak where where God hasn't spoken. Yeah. Uh, not to make pious platitudes, but as we said earlier, identify. Yes, this is suffering. Yet here is God's promise with that, and so, and and that's that's what. We need to understand for our own suffering, but then also as we're coming alongside of people yeah. who are going and through I, suffering. I think it's important, right? Like call that out to a certain yeah. extent where people have maybe done more damage by, quote, speaking where God has not spoken. Right. In the sense of, okay, well, where's your sin? There's Job's friends, right? Yeah. What did you do that caused God to treat you this way? Right. That is not biblical. Right. And then you get to other people on the other end of the spectrum. They're like, well, God will never give you more than you can handle. (laughs) So just, listen, we're talking about suffering. This has to come up, right? We have to talk about this. You, if you utter those words, you need to repent. (laughs) Because they are not scriptural. They are not biblical. And they are words spoken where God has not spoken. That is not true. Please stop using those words, Christians, that God will never give you more than you can handle because the reality is he will give you more than you can handle. And you need to look no further than 2 Corinthians 12 for this example where Paul has a thorn in his flesh that he prayed to God three times to remove and God did not remove it, but Jesus responded to him. If you have a red-letter edition of the Bible, it's in red letters in that section. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you. What's that grace? Oh, guess what? It's the restoration of your soul. It's him leading you in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. So God will arguably give you more than you can handle so that you are dependent upon his grace. Right. And that is actually the appropriate way to see suffering. I know this is hard to, like, if you're in the moment of suffering, it's not easy to see this. But this is uh, God drawing himself near to you because what is it that god has done that is most merciful for all of us he suffered mm-hmm. so when we experience those things this is yeah it hurts it's painful this is also a moment to say if this is where god is uh luther he has a, a document called the heidelberg disputation and one of the, the, the theses in it that he talks about 
is God can only be known through suffering and the cross. And he really means that in two ways. One, that you can't know God apart from, apart from Jesus Christ crucified, 1 Corinthians 1 um, and 2. But second, that just as Jesus says, pick up your cross and follow me, that's when you will know God. It is, it's exactly what you're saying with Paul and the thorn in his side. Um, and even Job with the, all that he's, he's going through. In the midst of suffering, there is God. Because he's saying, my grace is sufficient. The promises I have made you are sufficient. I have you. Trust me in this. So, yeah, this really, it, it's, again, counterintuitive. But when people are going through suffering, it is to really say, God is here with you. Just as Psalm, as verse 4 says here, he is with you. Therefore, you don't need to fear any evil. Meaning, to include the suffering that's happening. He is with you with his rod and, your, and his staff to comfort you in the midst of suffering. That's, uh, uh, to go back to your you know, four things of God that you were brought up with the yeah. first verse. God is not distant. He is right there with you in the midst of this. And he will continue to be with you. He will never leave or forsake you, even though it feels like everything else in the world is forsaking you at that time. So yeah, recognizing God himself in Christ has suffered. And he has gone through that for our sake and that he is still with us in the midst of suffering and can be found there. And where you find God and where you find his promises, you find joy. That's where the joy in suffering that you brought up earlier can really be found. So it, it's really, how do we, we have to continue to teach and train our families and our friends and our congregation members and whoever and other Christians that this is really what, where God himself shows himself to be most merciful, to be most kind in the suffering of Christ, but also where he is most, where we are to depend on him most is in the midst of suffering. And where we are to, not I wouldn't say seek him most, but you brought up Correct. the idea of prayer earlier, yep. right? This should drive us back to prayer. And, um, one of the earliest that I can remember, like honestly remember, aha moments that I've ever had with the Bible. I mean, we're talking like 15, long time ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago maybe. I'm reading Psalm 18, mm-hmm. 18.6, and it's been in etched on my soul since I read this verse and had this aha moment. I love aha moments in the Bible, right? But the psalmist writes, and he says, In my distress I called upon the Lord. To my God, I cried for help. From his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry to him reached his ears. Man, I remember reading that and going, oh, that's significant. Yeah. <laughs> and that's significant in the midst of suffering, too, because as we suffer, one of the things that I think happens so significantly when we suffer 
is we get very introspective, mm-hmm. closed off, and isolated. Mm-hmm. We feel like we are the only ones that are suffering. We feel like we are the only ones that are going through this. And to your point, the only ones that can solve this. Right. And in order to have joy and in order to understand that all things work together for good, including your suffering, you have to understand that God is there and waiting to be drawn to. And that happens through prayer. Crying out to God. In my distress, I cried to God. I cried for help. And in his temple, he heard my voice, and my cry reached his ear. Yeah, Psalm, Psalm 130 is the one that, that kind of parallels that. And, that's, and it begins, out of the depths, I cried to you, O Lord. Mm-hmm. O Lord, hear my voice, my pleas for your mercy, pleas for supplication. And that's another wonderful psalm that when you're suffering, this is because this is again that one. Uh, if I remember correctly, that psalm is unnamed by who the writer is, but it is a a child of God, a, a chosen member of Israel, who is experiencing this and crying out to God. Psalm one thirty or one eight, or eighteen. One one thirty. Okay. And yeah, Psalm eighteen is David. So you it, it, it's it's somebody who has God's promises. It's somebody who's who has seen. God's miracles, who has faith, and yet is still going through this. Mm-hmm. And the the way that that psalm concludes is, I will wait for the Lord more than a watchman for the morning, more than a watchman for the morning. I will hope in his word. And I will, that's where the, as we pray, we pray God's word. And then we also receive that. That's at, And this is where the community aspect I think comes in when we talk about God's promises there is we can read it from the scriptures and and we can we can take hold of them from the scriptures but what supports that is our fellow Christians coming along and saying this is what God has said about you in in the in terms of the promises this is this is what God has done for you in Christ and so hearing that word preach from another Christian, this is not exactly the same, but it's, it's a, an example that makes sense. Forgiveness is something I heard from a pastor a long time ago. Forgiveness comes on the lips of another, meaning uh, when you've sinned, you can't forgive yourself in a, in a real sense because you're, you know, you're, it has to come from outside of you. And so that's the word that is spoken by another, by, especially if it's, you sinned against someone, um, that when they say, I forgive you, that is the forgiveness that comes to you. But then also, when you know that you sinned against God, and you're wondering, how are my sins forgiven? When someone says to you, Christ died for your sins, he took them away. You no longer, they're not yours anymore. They are in the wounds of his hands, and his blood has covered them. That always comes on the lips of from someone else. And that's really why we live in community as Christians, is to continue to hear that. And then also, I, and I'll throw this one out as well, and th- this is going to vary based on you know, 
denominational background and whatever. But the other part of like when you're suffering is to come and receive God's promises physically. And that is for us, that's communion. Because this is where God says, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. And that is absolutely, that's what it's delivering. And if there's nothing else that can draw, that, that can give you a concrete promise of what God has done, here is Christ saying, take and eat that which I have given on the cross. Take and drink that's what, that which I have shed for you. Take these into yourself and know that all that I have suffered, I've suffered for your sake, and all that you are suffering will be redeemed by me. So that's it. That's another huge part of this is what is, where, where is God, where are God's promises given to you in the midst of suffering? So if, when you cling to those, then you start to make your way through that suffering. And to get to the conclusion part of Psalm 23, that's really what happens. At, at, so Psalm, uh, I'll, I'll argue with Matt Chandler on this. I think Psalm 4 is where, or, or excuse me, verse 4 is the linchpin verse in this psalm. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Because it's at that point, once you get through that, then you all of a sudden see all the blessing that God pours out. You but that could not Lord. occur, and I'm going to defend Chandler on this one. <laughs> it, that really does not have an till the soul's restored. I, I agree. I, you know I, what I, I mean? Would, like, I, that's where I, I think he says that's where everything kind of jumps off from. Well, I, I, I would agree with, yeah, without the restoration of the soul, nothing, yeah, there there are no blessings. There are no good. <laughs> There's no I mean, table prepared in the presence of their enemies. Correct. There's no dwelling in the house of the Lord. Correct. Right. But but I would also say that as that leads into the, the suffering part, mm-hmm. um, this is what this is what's on the other side, and so sure. you look at yeah. you look at this as the really, and, and I, I like to think of this. This is why we read it at funerals. This is the the promise of of heaven and the resurrection. Mm-hmm. You prepare, prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If that's not heaven, that's not the resurrection. Then well, yeah, for sure. I don't, I don't know for what sure. it is. Yeah, but that's the you know, in the midst of this mortal life and the suffering that we go through here, that's what lies ahead of us. And so you know, you, you see that flow of God has called me. He's He is my shepherd. He is taking care of me. Yes, I go through suffering, but the promise is He will bring me through this, and that He will give me all of these blessings in the world that is to come and in his presence in after we leave this mortal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's kind of transition just a little bit from the theological to the practical, right? Mm-hmm. Cause we have both, um, we've both talked with soldiers. Um, we've both counseled people outside of the military as well in our own ministries we've taught ACE training, suicide prevention and and awareness. And much of that training 
centers around essentially community like we were just talking, right? It centers around knowing the warning signs of suicide ideation and things like that. How can we best serve our community? How can we put practical legs to, you know, us suffering well? We understand theologically how we can suffer well, but how can we train our families? How can we practically live this out in order to bring the most glory to God? I guess would be the way to kind of bookend this discussion here. Yeah. Well, the Army's motto, mo- model um, for that ask, care, escort mm-hmm. are, are really kind of good building blocks for it. But it also doesn't and, have to only be about suicidal ideation and prevention. Like, oh, true, let's be true, careful. Yeah. Like, this is yeah, yeah, any yeah. type of suffering. Like, Correct. warning signs are there. You notice certain things. Yeah. Take and action. So, and and so the yeah and the the asking part it, it, well really what that's what it should be understood more as is listen mm-hmm. um, because that's really when someone is suffering again like we've talked about everything in their vision narrows almost pinpoint and so to be able to draw out of them what they're going through and the emotions mm-hmm. that they're having, you know, to be a good listener for that. And then to help them try to talk through it. And really a, a and this is the, this is so use the care. What needs can be met right here, right now yeah. to help reduce that suffering. Is that simply just an ear to listen to, which in many cases has gone, a lot farther than people realize. Right. And if you're just open to that, having that conversation then and there. But then if it's also whatever other things, if there are immediate needs that can be met, even if it's as as simple as food or something, um, you know, a meal to be brought over, a uh, having, inviting them over and having a meal and having that time together. Whatever it is in those things, how how can those immediate needs be met? Uh, but then also recognizing when people are going through suffering, they might need that space. You know, and so there's a delicate balance of mm-hmm. how do I meet those needs without overwhelming them and being well in in a sense becoming more of a burden or further uh inducing suffering there so that's uh, that but to i think there's a fine line to 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 walk to right because you you definitely want to be somebody who cares yeah but you don't always need to be somebody who fixes yes excellent point and i think that we tend to lean towards the fixing or hey, well, let's take care of this. Let's you know, this is how I would go about. Like, yeah, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> at that moment, yeah. right? But like, we need to be, um, like you said, uh, quick to listen, slow to speak. Yeah, in a lot of times when it, when it comes to suffering, and I think that for training our families, it really comes down to going back to teaching the Word of God and who God is, um, that suffering is going to happen. And 
I, I say this a lot, and I, I mean it wholeheartedly, and I feel like I can defend it. Um, as Americans, and as American Christians, we don't really have credibility to talk about persecution. Yeah. And we should probably stop talking about per- being persecuted, because we really aren't persecuted at all. You know, back a few years ago when everything was shutting down because of COVID, people were like, oh, we're so persecuted, right? All And it's like, we're not. Like, let, let's really put this into perspective here, right? You still have the freedom to gather and worship how you see fit. Nobody's telling you not to do that. Nobody's gathering you up into groups and and committing mass murder because of your faith. Like, that's persecution. We are not persecuted. We have to understand, though, that there are, like, as this world continues to fall deeper into sin, as as it will, there there may be persecution that we will face and it's so recognizing that persecution it's not what we've experienced but there could be persecution that we experience how we handle that will ultimately speak to our credibility in our belief in Jesus yep. all right mm-hmm. now that's a big broad grand scale persecution okay there are there is suffering that happens, and I think those two terms are distinct, and we need to make sure that we keep them distinct, right? Persecution. Uh, I'm thinking through this, right? I'm just kind of verbalizing <laughs> my thoughts to a certain extent. Persecution tends to be an external force. Yes. Right. Usually perpetrated by somebody else. Suffering is not right suffering could be the natural course of life or something to that extent right circumstances that are outside of your control to a certain degree yeah Yeah. i don't know i don't no i i do think there is a distinction that uh persecution is almost a subset of suffering like it's a particular type yeah I would, that makes sense. Uh, so, in yeah, and so there are other types of suffering, but those shouldn't be equated with persecution. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the well, everyone will suffer death, their own personal death, but then the death of those around them. And so, I think that generally speaking, everyone can relate to mm-hmm. that. But there are different sufferings, you know, the physical ailments that come, um, whether they be introduced by something, an external force, a car accident, something like that, or uh, even something that someone is born with, Mm -hmm. um, Down syndrome, autism, you know, whatever, you know, physical limitation or debilitating disease that is there. All of those things are a result of sin, not individual sin, but sin that our creation sin broke. at large, yeah, right, and that that these things are possible because the creation is out of step with God, mm-hmm. and so 
yeah, we are going to endure those things to varying degrees in our lives. And we are going to endure, we are going to participate with, if we're, again, living in that community, community with others who go through those things. And so how do we come alongside them and help them? And that's that is going to look different from from person to person, case to case. Mm-hmm. But it's generally speaking the truth in love, and then loving and serving in the way that's that's possible. That's what we have to train our our children to to do as well to to grow up into recognizing that these things that happened, the suffering that takes place, we should be there to help alleviate it as best as we can in the in our abilities that we've been given yeah. for that. And and I think that as we fulfill our role as protector, there is a certain amount of protection that goes into that. Not protection from suffering, but protection through suffering. Yes. Right? That 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 exists. I man, I I just can't get over like the thought of like yeah, we're suffering. There's one place you turn, and it yeah. can't be internal, right? right. It, it cannot be internal, and it needs to continually be um, pointing to our God. We sang this song today um, in church. I don't know if you've heard. This is our God by Phil Wickham. It goes like this. He says, remember those walls that we called sin and shame? They were like prisons that we couldn't escape. But he came and he died and he rose and those walls are rubble now. Remember those giants we called death in the grave? They were like mountains that stood in our way. But he came and he died and he rose. Those giants are dead now. This is our God. This is who he is. He loves us. This is our God. This is what he does. He saves us. He bore the cross. He beat the grave. Let heaven and earth proclaim that this is our God, King Jesus. And as we suffer, because it will happen, we have to understand that the Lord is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. With royal connotations, the Lord is my king. I shall not want. And count it all joy. When you do suffer, because he's doing everything for our good and for his glory. Suffer well. And if you need help, again, I want to reiterate, we are here to help you. Message us through social media. Email us, uncultureddad at gmail.com. We would love to help point you to the one who suffered for us so that we could find joy and a peace that passes all understanding. Suffer well, our friends. This has been the Two Chaps Pod. I'm AJ. He's Coleman. want to remind you to stay uncultured, and we'll see you next week. Okay. Just got that little cut where I got to take the bag out of the background. <laughs> No, that was yeah. I thought that was really good. I was 
I like completely lost my train of thought in the middle of that persecution talk. <laughs> I don't know if you saw it or you noticed. I, I was like, I was like, where are you at? I get, and then it clicked. I was like, you can't equate persecution with suffering. So let's yeah. like just stop here, yeah. um, and and talk about what we're actually talking about. I, man, I, Psalm twenty three. So like. My like, look at the notes of my Bible. <laughs> just, like, I don't know if that's distracting to you, Yo, or yeah, not, yeah, but yeah. like, that's just how I like. Every time I teach Psalm twenty three, I'm like, oh, it's all right there. Yeah. I don't yeah. know suffering. Well, and there was, and I, I just read it recently, but I couldn't, I couldn't pull everything back into mind. Um, but it, it was. It's in that book, um, Has American Christianity Failed? I literally and, got it right there. Yeah. Um, it's And he talks about suffering affliction as actually being a demonstration of God's love. And I didn't want to say that without Fully going through his... understanding what he had said. Yeah, going through yeah. his kind of thought process to it. But it was it, it's, it's a very uh, compelling perspective on suffering and there is luther's luther's take on it and we talked about this before is is prayer meditation yeah and and the affliction the attack and that's that's the suffering that we go through and that's what builds luther says theologian doesn't mean academic theologians he means yeah. people that actually know god and that ties into his you can't know god apart from suffering yeah i i i get we talk about joy and it was like we're going we're going through first peter right uh or we were we're done now um, but I have this, I have this one guy that just loves to just ask random questions <laughs> and he goes, doesn't joy just mean Jesus, others and you? And I'm like, if you're six, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh man, like, yes, it's a, it's a very quippy thing. And it like, I'm so glad you brought that up too, because how often do we throw stuff out to people? That yeah. are just, they do more harm than good. Yeah, and it is, and it is so well intentioned. Like they want to help. It is. Yeah, but it it it's just like guys. That's but it's Job's friends. I mean, yeah, that's, it, that's exactly what right. it is. It's just bad counsel. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Well, and it's yeah the. God will not give you more than you can handle. That one drives me up a wall. I don't know. Yeah. I, you know that Which, because I've probably it, said that a hundred times in in our conversations, but I was not letting this pass. Yeah. Well, and it's and I was trying to get the reference and I couldn't couldn't come up with it. But it, it is when when Paul's talking about that and, and like uh, you know, no temptation has ever taken you. Romans yeah. ten. First Corinthians ten thirteen, or ten thirty one. Yeah, 
I think. That sounds that sounds right. So it's, Who um, did their first Bible drill? No. No, that's ten thirty one. Oh no, whether you eat or drink. Yeah. What hold on, I thought it was ten thirteen. Yeah, no, ten thirteen. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, He will also provide a way of escape that you will be able to endure it. Right. And that's what people quote, and I go, yeah, but temptation and suffering are not the same thing. Yeah. Well, and it's it is the no temptation that has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. Well, what is, yeah, it is the temptation is what's common. And so it's not like it it, it is in a sense God preserves you. And this is really what we pray. Lead us not into temptation. That God preserves you from those things which would absolutely not be uh, you would not be capable of, of recovering from. Right. But that's that's also the distinction between the one who trusts God, who believes God is faithful, and the one who is not. Because, yeah, those who have no relationship with God, or, no, everyone has a relationship with God. It's whether you have a saving relationship or a hostile relationship. Right. If you're in the hostile relationship, well, then, yeah, you're going to be tempted beyond whatever but for the christian this is one of god's graces is he preserves you in that and then yeah the he will but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it and that is i I mean that ultimately comes back to his word right with the example that christ said i mean when christ was tempted in the wilderness yeah i mean but he just quoted scripture, and I think that that is so important. All right, those of you listening on Spotify and Apple, thank you. Make sure you like and rate and subscribe and share with your friends because they need to hear this too. We'll see you next week.